Well, I've got to admit, after two and a half or so years, it feels weird not saying to you, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. But turn in your Bibles this morning to the prophet Malachi. Malachi is easy to find, one of the easiest prophetical books in the Bible to find because all you got to do is go to Matthew and go left. And there it is, the last book of the Old Testament, the last prophet to speak in the Old Testament. And I want us to take the next, oh, I don't know, 10 or 12 weeks, not months, weeks, and look at this prophetic message that Malachi brings us. When, when you think of Malachi, most people can tell you two things about Malachi. They can tell you, first of all, that Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. I've already given that away, but I think probably most of you knew that already. They can tell you it's the last book in the Old Testament. Second thing they can usually tell you about it is Malachi gives a strong discussion of tithing. And so because of that, most people get nervous when you start talking about going to preach through Malachi, figuring that's where we're going. But I want you to know while he does do a strong message about that about halfway through the book, that is far from being the only thing that Malachi is concerned about and far from being the the main message of Malachi. As a matter of fact, the tithing message just kind of fits in the whole context of what Malachi is wanting to communicate. On the graphic on the screen, you see there it says, Malachi, worship matters. If you really want to boil down the book of Malachi, from what I see as the perspective of Malachi, it would be that very thing. That Malachi is saying, I want you to understand that worship really matters. And that careless worship, or shallow worship, or worship that is flippant before God is a serious matter before God. That God expects us to worship Him, even as Jesus said in John chapter 4, in spirit and in truth. He expects us to know what He requires, and He expects us to come before Him anticipating that. So Malachi is going to be a look at what it means to worship God aright, and to see that worship really does matter. This morning we're going to look at verse 1. Not a lot to look at, not a lot of uh, moving into the bulk of the book, but in verse 1 Malachi tells us an awful lot that I want you to see and understand by way of introduction and and as we talk about his life and times just a little bit. Malachi says in verse 1 this, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Now, basically what he says there is, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you the word of the Lord. It it is an oracle of the Lord. The word oracle there could also be translated burden, and we'll see what that means in just a few minutes. But he says, I'm coming with a burden with God's word, coming with a burden about God's word to deliver to God's people uh, through my message. So he says, I'm the one bringing it, God's the one sending it, and it's a heavy burden on my life to bring it to you. I want you to hear it. I want you to listen very carefully. A lot of times we're really tempted to just kind of pass over those first verses of most books, aren't we? I mean, honestly, if you started reading this, you would say the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi, good. And then let's get on into the meat of the text. We do that with some of Paul's writings. You know, Paul will say that in some of his letters, things like You know, I, Paul, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, a slave, a doulos of Jesus. And we say, oh, that's interesting. He's an apostle, calls himself a slave, must be figuratively speaking, and you get on into the bulk of the book. When in reality, you could spend days thinking about 
what Paul means when he says, I'm an apostle sent by God, but I'm also a slave to Jesus Christ. He is my master. He is my Lord. I have submitted myself to him, and everything that I have and everything that I am is submitted to his lordship. I am a slave of Christ. A lot of what Malachi says in this first verse, while he doesn't use the word slave, he doesn't use the word apostle, is saying basically the same thing that Paul is saying there. He, his, his name itself literally means messenger of Yahweh. One who brings a message. My messenger. Messenger of the Lord God. Messenger of Yahweh. And when he talks about an oracle, he's thinking about something that is weighty. A heaviness of this message. He says, I'm not coming to you lightly. What I'm about to tell you is very serious stuff. And I want you to understand it's serious. And I want you to hear it. And, and I want you to be burdened by it as much as I'm burdened by it, Malachi would say to those people. Heaviness, weightiness of God's Word. I'm convinced today that if you look around our country, indeed around the world maybe, but especially I want to think about America. If you look around our country and look at the pulpits, you will find that many of the pulpits of our land are filled with men who come flippantly, who come as a comedian, who come as an entertainer, who come to try to just draw the masses and say, look what I've done, rather than coming with a broken heart and a heavy heart and saying, listen, this is the Word of God. It is a burden to me to bring it. It is a heavy thing for me to bring. And I bring it so that you might understand your relationship with God. Not how you feel, not that you might be happy again, but that you might understand what it means to be in relationship with with the living God. That's what Malachi wants us to see. And that's why Malachi sees worship as being the thing that really matters in the life of, of God's people. We could have gone to other places to talk about the Word of God. We could have gone to Psalm 19 or Psalm 119 and read about the perfection of God's Word and the purity of God's Word and the holiness of God's Word. We could have gone to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter, two, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, where there Paul talks about the authority of the Word and the sufficiency of the Word, that the Word is, is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's, it's from the very mouth of God. It gives it authority, gives it meaning that we need to hear. And it's, it's sufficient for every need that you have to equip us, to build us up, to strengthen us. I mean, and the Word is talked about all through the Bible as the significance of it and the importance of it. But Malachi chooses to say, I come to you with the burden of the Word of the Lord. Why would it be a burden? Well, he's speaking to the people of God who are in post-exile. You know that the nation of Israel had been divided into the northern and the southern kingdom. There were ten tribes and two tribes and all of them, though, had been by this time taken away into exile, had been taken away into enslavement, and now a remnant, a group, have gathered back. And he's not thinking about just a tribe or a, a set of tribes. He's thinking about those who have come back who name the name of Christ, who name the name of God, who say we are the people of Yahweh. And he, he looks at them and he says, "I want you to understand the significance of who God is." And the significance of your worship to him. If you looked around, you'd understand the condition of the people that, that Malachi spoke to. And you'd realize that it's not a lot different from the people in the American church today. 
they're disillusioned and discouraged. They, they, you'll find them in this passage, in this whole book, it's an unusual way of writing that Malachi chooses. It's, it's a disputational method. And by that I mean God speaks and the people dispute it. The very first thing he's going to say, I have loved you with a love that is great. And that's God speaking. And the people are going to say, how have you loved us? And then God will speak through Malachi again a discourse about his love. He will say, I've, you've robbed me. And, and they will say, how have we robbed you? I mean, there's this, this argument with God going on all throughout this book. And it's a unique way of looking at what's taking place. And much of what's taking place there is, is exactly what we see in our churches today. Disillusionment, discouragement. Uh, I, I talked with people this past week who said to me, you know, I, I look around and we've had, I, I've seen this pastor that I trusted fall. And I've seen this church leader, lay person who, who I really thought was a godly person. And they've gone off the deep end and done things. And, and their words were, I just feel disillusioned. I just feel like you know, there's, there's problems within the, within the church that are as, as big a magnitude sometimes as out in the community. And, and I had to say to them, well, you know, that's true. But we don't find our... We don't find our comfort. We don't find our security. We don't find the reality of our Christian walk with, with people who are, who are falling and with other people. We find it in Christ who never fails us. And folks, a lot of times our problem is, and this is what they were doing in that day, they were looking around at the circumstances around them. <coughs> Excuse me. They were looking around at the circumstances around them, and they were saying, how can we trust God? How can we believe God? We, we look, people are not obeying Him, and why should we? They were disillusioned. They were discouraged. They were disobedient. There was no doubt. We have a lot of disobedience in our churches today. There's no doubt. There's a lot of people who say, you know, I, I, I want to go to church. I want to be seen in church. I want to carry my Bible. I want to look holy. I want to look righteous. And then they go out throughout the week, and, and they say, You'd, you'd never know that they'd even sat in a church on Sunday, much less professed anything about it. You just have to realize that's how Malachi's people were. They've been blessed by God. They've been brought out of bondage and brought out of slavery. The temple has been restored by Ezra, and the walls have been built, rebuilt by Nehemiah at this point. I mean, God is protecting them. God is showing them his provision. And yet they just can't see it. God is preparing them and, and caring for them in numerous ways. But either they want or they can't see it. They can't see his blessings. Why? Because the economy wasn't all that good. You know, they had a recession. Maybe even a depression. And, and, and they were having trouble with their crops. They were having trouble with their flocks. And they... They, they just couldn't see how God was taking care of them. So they began to grumble. They began to question God. How have you loved me? How have you taken care of me? And so because of that, they became guilty of careless worship. So we have to be careful when we look around us and see circumstances that we feel are not what they ought to be. And, and I'll tell you firsthand, they're not what they ought to be. We look around and see those circumstances that are not as they ought to be. We have to be careful that we don't deflect our worship from God and start worrying too much about the circumstances. We have to look to the God who will never fail us. 
We have to look to the God who protects us and cares for us and watches over us and strengthens us as we focus on Him, as we gaze upon Him and merely glance at those things around us. Our struggle is we focus so much on the things around us that sometimes we don't even glance at God. And that's where the people were in Malachi's day. So Malachi comes on the scene. Here he is, the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. He came with a a word that was burning in his heart, the word of God burning in his heart in a a magnificent way. It it burned so deeply they could only describe it as a burden. And that's what he says it is. We'll need to see Malachi in these next four chapters as what I would call a fearless reformer. He's not afraid of the people. He's not, he's not burdened because he thinks they might attack him. They may very well. They do a lot of the prophets. But he's a fearless reformer because he looks at the issues that need to be addressed. And he says, by God's grace, we will confront these and we will bring the church, we will bring the people of God back to a vital worship. And when we have a vital, alive, vibrant worship and our focus is upon God, then all these other things seem to melt away, Malachi will show us. I like what Charles Spurgeon said as he was preaching on Malachi back over 120-something years ago. Spurgeon said, you know, the prophets were of old were no triflers. They did not run about as idle tale-tellers, but they carried a burden. You look at Ezekiel, you look at Isaiah, you look at Jeremiah. They saw the sin of the people. They weren't even worrying so much about the culture, folks. They were worried about the people of God. And they saw sin within and worship that was, that was careless. And, and they said, listen, I, I'm burdened because I want you to see the glory of God in your life. I want you to see the power of God in your life. I want you to see what God has called you to. I don't want to see you experiencing that in a great way. And, 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 and they came with this burden. They took their work seriously. They bore the burden of God's word that was burning in their hearts with a passion, and they shared it with the people every single day. I'm convinced as long as, our, as, long as the church of Jesus Christ in 2014, the 21st century, is captivated by preachers like Joel Osteen, preachers like, uh, other, like the Robert Schulers who are now gone, thank goodness, but, but, but pre- preachers who, who just simply want to talk about man and tickle ears and make people feel good and, and never talk about sin, never talk about genuine worship, never talk about what it means to be the obedient people of God. As long as they are the ones that are exalted and lifted up within the church, the church will never be what God has called it to be and will never affect the culture that we're sitting in. We'll always let the culture affect us. We'll always come in. We'll never go out. We sit around so often worrying about what, what, the, you know, what the world is like. I mean, they're taking away prayer. They're doing this. They're all these other things that are horrible things, no doubt. But we have to realize that part of that might just be the judgment of God upon our culture because the church, the people of God, have not been what God has called us to be. We need a day of restoration, we need a day of revival, we need a day of reformation, but it will not come until 
first of all, the men in the pulpit carry a burden to bring the word of God in purity. And it will not come until the people of God sitting in the pews have a burden, a burden to hear the word and believe the word and live the word among the culture in which they have been placed. Malachi says, I come with a burden. I come with a burden of the word of the Lord to God's people. And until it weighs heavy on your hearts and heavy in your lives, there will be no reformation of worship and there will be no reformation in the church as a whole. Why would, why would, why would Malachi talk about the word being a burden? I mean, shouldn't he say, it's my joy to bring to you the word of God? You know, it just makes me happy, makes me almost giddy that God has called me to be a prophet, to, to share with you the word. I've got some stuff to tell you. Now listen carefully. Why would he come to the people and say, it's a burden. I bring, I bring you the burden of the word of the Lord. Why would he use those words? Let me give you a couple of three or four things that I think means when we talk about the burden. First of all, it ought to be a burden for one reason primarily. It is the Word of God. It's not his opinion. And I've told you numerous times before, when I stand in this pulpit, I really don't want to give you my opinion. My opinion won't do you a bit of good. My viewpoint on politics or my viewpoint on economics or my viewpoint on whatever won't, won't help you at all. I come because I want to share with you the Word of God. I want to tell you what God has said. That's why we move through John so carefully and meticulously, talking about the gospel over and over, because it's the gospel that changes lives. It's gospel that makes a difference. It's a burden to bring it. Paul felt that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. Paul said, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. That word compulsion is a word similar to burden. I have a compulsion to bring you the Word of God. I don't come here lightly. God has laid it on me, and He brings me to you to tell you, this is what the Lord has said. I preach the gospel. I don't boast about it. I don't brag about it. I don't have anything to say. I'm just telling you what God has said. Or in Romans 1.16, one of our favorite passages, the one that, that is on the open Bible, marked under this pulpit in the foundation of this church, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of it. I come to preach it. I come to teach it because you need to hear it. We're not called as pastors to come and try to make it relevant or make it clever or make it modern or, or, or make it entertaining. We're just called to come and share it, come and teach it, come and serve it as it is. The old analogy of the waiter. You go to a restaurant for lunch today and you order a particular dish and he comes out a little later and says, you know, I, I know you ordered prime rib, but, but I really think, I've been looking at you, I really think you need to eat broiled fish say that to me, you're not going to be pleased because he did not deliver what was ordered. Well, the pastor, the preacher, the prophet is not to come and say, you know, I, I, I know God said this, but let me tell you, I want you to have your best life now. So forget what God said. Let me just tell you how you can be happy right now. 
No, you come to bring the word of the Lord, serve it as it is. You, you focus upon him, upon his attributes. You take his word, what he has said, and before the people, you point it back to him and show his attributes, his truth, his character, and what he's called us to be. Don't try to, we, don't, we can't try to dish out self-help. You can go to Barnes & Noble and find that. You know, six steps to do this and seven steps to do that and, and, and it will make you happy and prosperous and wealthy and successful and all that. That's not what the Word of God is about. The Word of God is about changing us into true worshipers that glorify Him in everything we do. We're ambassadors. We're sent with a message and only that message and no other message will do, so we don't need to mess it up with creativity. So it's a burden because it is the word of the Lord. Secondly, it's a burden because it's contrary to men's thinking. Have you ever noticed that? God's word so often is contrary to how common wisdom would have it. You know, man's thinking says, listen, just think positively. Just try harder. Just, just be nicer. Just do something. And, and, and God's word comes along and cuts right through all that. Isaiah 55, 9, the prophet Isaiah said, listen, and speaking the words of God, he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Hear this carefully. Man and woman, men and women, Human beings do not naturally think the thoughts of God. That's why our thoughts have to be formulated and molded by His Word. That's why our thoughts have to be saturated with His Word. We don't normally think what God thinks. So it's a burden for a preacher to come before a people who perhaps are sitting there, many of them, thinking, well, I know what's best because I've got these thoughts about God. How many times have I sat and talked to people who said, well, you know, preacher, that's good, but I just worship God in my own way. And, and I have to say with a burden, not with a joy, but I have to say with a burden, then my dear friend, you do not worship God at all if you worship Him in your own way. It's to be worshiped in His way. It's to be worshipped according to his thoughts. It's to be worshipped according to his gospel. Because we don't naturally do that. It's another reason it's a burden, I think. And that is because when the, when the word, this is the third way, when the, when the word of God is brought by the, by the prophet or the preacher, it convicts even the deliverer of his own sin. Now, I can't tell you the number of times I'm preaching to you and I'm hoping you're hearing, but God's kind of in the background saying, are you listening? Are you listening? You're telling them, but are you listening? I mean, it's, it's a burden sometimes to stand here and tell you what God's Word says and then have to go out of here and be broken over my own sin. Week after week, I have to hear the message before I ever deliver it. I hear it in my study. I hear it in my prayer time. I hear it when I'm driving down the road you see me driving around Somerset, you may see me talking to myself. I'm not talking to myself. I'm preaching the sermon for this Sunday while I'm driving. Sometimes I'm praying. Sometimes I'm singing. But most of the time, I'm preaching the Word. I have to hear the message even before I deliver it. 
And I always think about in, verse, in, in chapter 19 of Psalm, when, when the psalmist says, Moreover, by them, that is by God's words, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. Who can discern his errors? Who can acquit me of hidden faults? Keep your servant back from presumptuous sins. And let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless. Then I will be acquitted of great transgression. And when I'm sitting back in my study preparing, I am warned constantly in my own life about presumptuous sins. Just little sins, you know. Not, not adultery, not murder, not, not stealing, not those kind of things that you know, we think of as really big bad sins. But let me tell you, it's those really big bad sins aren't the ones that really pull us down. It's presumptuous sins. Presumptuous sins are, well, yeah, I did that, but it's okay. God will forgive me. No big deal. It is a big deal. Because every big sin generally ends up, or always ends up starting with little sins that are just kind of excused, just kind of overlooked. So I'm warned in my own life of presumptuous sins, and I come to warn you of those presumptuous sins. Because even though we know that sins are covered by the blood of Christ in every believer, our sins are forgiven because we belong to Him. But we never can forget that those sins grieve the heart of God and those sins cause us a callousness spiritually that will hinder our worship. So important to remember. Fourth reason, fourth way and final way that this Word of God is a burden to Malachi and to the preacher. It's a burden because of the way man receives God's truth today. It's a burden because of the way man receives God's truth today. But they don't like it. I have people all the time saying, but Pastor, that's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Pastor, I don't understand. How can I ever do that? How can I ever be that? That's, that just speaks so deeply and so so difficultly to my life uh, you know I just can't hear that and sometimes they run from it I'll never forget a pastor search committee years ago they came and heard me three times at my church I was in Stone Mountain Georgia at the time they came and heard me the pastor search committee came and heard me three times and they they listened and we talked and and man, I thought, they, I thought they liked me. I really, I thought, man, I'm going to be moving, I guess. Looks like God's going to move me. Well, God always moves, remember that. Uh, I, and I just thought, you know, I'm going to be leaving. And finally one day the pastor, uh, search committee chairman called me and he said, uh, Pastor, we're going we're gonna to move on in our search. Well, you've been here three times. What do you mean you're going to move on? He said, well, we've, we've looked at it. We've listened to the three sermons. And boy, we just really felt like you preached the word you opened up the word you we saw things we'd never seen in the word it was it was great but but I got to be honest with you I just don't think our people can take it I could probably give several examples of that you know Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 he said for there's going to come a time when they will all when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Does that not describe much of what our country looks like today? Indeed, much of what the church looks like 
in our country today? People only hear only want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to hear anything that challenges their thinking. They don't want to hear anything that challenges sin in their life. They don't want to hear anything that, that you know, might make them a bit uncomfortable. They just want to hear, I'm okay. When I was in college, a book came out, I'm okay, you're okay. I always thought about writing one, I'm okay, you're okay maybe. I'm not so sure. But I'm okay, so leave me alone. You know, People just want to hear what they want to hear. They don't want to hear truth many times. They just want to be coddled. They want to be tickled. They want to be made happy, made feel good. So Malachi is going to hit on some very difficult issues. I'm going to warn you. Some of the things Malachi is going to bring from God to his message that I'm going to bring to you may hurt. They may sting but would you do me one thing? Would you listen to it not as a word from Bill Haynes or even a word from a prophet Malachi, but as a word from God to your own life and at least consider what is God saying to me through this? There must be an understanding that God's word is pure. There must be an understanding that God's word is like a sword, a two-edged sword, sharp and cutting, and it will cut and it will hurt, but it will God will always bring healing when he does. Will you during these next 10 to 12 weeks just make a commitment to be open to what God wants to do in your life? Will you be open to God's searchlight shining in your life in such a way that maybe he might just expose some sin that you've harbored and held back and wouldn't deal with and it's affected your worship? I don't mean you're singing. I don't mean you're coming to church. I mean you're real worship. And you've allowed your worship to become careless, to become routine, to become just a ritual you go through. Will you just open your heart to that possibility that maybe God's wanting to say, I want to I change some things in your life. I want to give you some real renewal, revival. Reformation in your own soul. Will you at least just be open to that? Will you pray this for the next 10 or 12 weeks? I hope you pray it already. But on Saturday night, we prepare your hearts by praying, Lord, tomorrow I'm going, to, I'm going to, to hear your word preached. I'm going to worship. Lord, will you just get me ready for that? Lord, Lord tonight, as I get ready to go to bed, can I go to bed thinking about you and about what you want to do in my life tomorrow? Not about what I'm going to do after church, not what I'm going to do next week, but what I'm going to, what I'm going to encounter when I meet with my church family tomorrow. Lord, will you just prepare me for that? Folks, it's a burden. It's a burden that we all need to bear because it's God's Word and it's, it's important and it's meaningful. And we live in a day that takes it so lightly, not outside the walls of the church, but inside the walls of the church. Will you pray with me these 10 to 12 weeks? Lord, change me. Lord, 
Let Malachi be a fearless reformer in my life and in our church. Let's pray together. Father, we are humbled by your goodness and grace. We're humbled, Lord, that by your grace you would call us to yourself and give us life. We're humbled, Lord, that we could have faith, even as a gift from you, to believe in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We're humbled, Lord, that salvation is from you, even as we read in that passage from Romans, what the law could not do, weak as it was because of the flesh, you did in Christ Jesus. Father, help us know your love deeper as we explore Malachi. Help us, Father, to live with you in our vision more than the circumstances. Father, help Malachi be our guide. Help Malachi be our reformer. To teach us, to strengthen us, to change us by your Holy Spirit. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.